After a strong summer cattle market, will it hold through into this fall run? We're still going to be in an incredibly high market as as compared to when they were marketing calves the year before. And I don't see that changing whatsoever. Clint Berry, marketing rep for Superior Livestock, is back as we assess this past summer market and what that's telling us as we look ahead to the fall run. What does it look like on this steer market? How about those heifers? Will there be high demand or still a sell-off? So it's not uncommon that we've got the cash some of these animals out and reap the benefit of this higher market to get square on the you know on the red and black line on our profit loss statements and what about this bred cattle market you can smell it coming you know it's it's like when you walk in and your grandma's making cornbread it's a preview of the fall run of our cattle markets on this episode of the working ranch radio show This is the Working Ranch Radio Show, and I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you joining us on our program today. And man, oh man, another great show with a lot of information that we're going to be covering here today. As you heard there in the opening, Mr. Clint Berry with Superior Livestock will be back with us here for today's show. He's a marketing rep there. I always appreciate and enjoy visiting with him with the volume of cattle that he sees in the course of a given period of time. I know he's a wealth of information on our topic that we're going to be covering here today. We've come out of this summer run. Now we're looking at this fall run ahead of us. Will this market hold with what we have seen uh, this past summer? It's been a a barn burner of a market and we're going to see calf prices this year in unprecedented areas we already have. And so we're going to be talking about that. Will it hold through into this fall? In addition to that, we're going to be talking about will that gap stay in there? That 20 to so cent gap that we've seen in these heifers over under these steers. Is that going to stay there? If it is, if not, what's causing that? And we'll talk a little bit about that. Also throw in a little bit of a question I've got for him in regards to spaying heifers. We'll talk about that. And of course, this bread market, no doubt that a lot of people know that this market's going to be turning up on these bread cows that already has. What does that look like? And so we're going to talk about all of these kind of factors with Clint on that. Look forward to that conversation later on in our program. Also on today's program, Austin Waltamath with Allflex will be joining us. In fact, he'll be coming up in our next segment as we're going to be talking about EID tagging and maybe a good way to get started in your operation, a jumping off point in that. And that could start as early as with bangs vaccinating. If you've looked at this, maybe said to yourself, maybe it's not something I can do with the entire herd just yet, but I'd like to be moving that way. We'll be talking a little bit about that. And also the aspect of putting all this together, your cattle identification, in addition to your EID tags, and even if you're wanting to DNA test and how that can all work together in that identification process. So Austin Waltamath with Allflex joining us to talk a little bit about that. Of course, we couldn't uh, leave a show as well if we didn't have meteorologist Don Day joining us. He will be with us towards the tail end of the program as well to give us an idea of what we should be looking for for weather across the U.S. here in the next 7 to 10 days. And all I can say about this is cooler. And if you're needing moisture, sounds like there might be something coming down the pike for most of us across the country. So be sure to stay tuned for meteorologist Don Day towards the tail end of our program here today. Right now, let's thank our sponsors, though, of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Vitalix, livestock is your livelihood. Tubs are our expertise. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at vitalix.com. And the American Gelvie Association, a highly fertile, moderately framed cow that raises high-performing calves even in tough environments. Now that's doing more with less. The Gelvie cow's efficient use of resources make her the picture of sustainability in today's modern beef industry. You can find out more at gelvy.org and performance beef now you can make decisions on data not just a hunch cattle management software that's easy to use and allows you to simplify feeding performance and health data recording you can do it there at the side of the chute or out in the pen or even in the pasture find out more at performance livestock analytics.com and tank tote your remote water monitoring system from the convenience of your phone powered by solar satellite and cell it's what we use here on the x-ring ranch you can find out more. Give them a call. Metal Arc Solutions at 801-252-6135 or on their website at tanktoad.com. Well, it's time now to check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. 
Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch, Radio Land. This is my two cents today. Ranch folks, ranch kids, listen carefully. Fall works. We're well underway now. It's busy. We're getting in the groove. I want you to work safe out there. So that horsemanship, you got to be thinking. Work in the machinery. You've got to think safety. Operating those ATVs and those side-by-sides, those things are fast. And I don't want you doing anything that's going to put you in a wreck. So be safe out there. That is my two cents. Justin, back to you. All right. Thanks, Captain. Some great advice there. You know, for for all of us, we want to keep our kids safe. We want to keep ourselves safe. And knowing that this time of the year where we're out and we're getting things ready for fall work and doing all those kinds of things, whether you're on horseback or whether you're using ATVs, just be safe out there. I know, speaking from experience, uh, having a horse wreck this last spring that where I ended up breaking my ankle, it's not something you want to go through again and it's not something i'd advise and other folks have probably experienced a similar thing and so let's be safe with what we're doing out there as we prepare for our fall work and our fall activity hey real quick before we head to break here i thought of this as the captain tim o'burn being on here as he does each and every week but he is currently working on the next issue of working ranch magazine but currently the september october issue is out it's in my hands in fact right now the other day i picked it up because i was looking for a product that i Uh, animal health product that I was wanting to know a little bit more information about or other options for different types of products that are out there the cattle care catalog does just that in fact the captain explains that a little bit on page 38 where they focus on products that cover nutrition from prevention to treatment to comfort and growth various things of that nature encourage you to go back and look at that it is in the september october issue also if you do not have a subscription to working ranch magazine it's pretty easy to get started if you go to the website at workingranchmag.com you can start your subscription today well we've got a lot to cover on today's show we'll get to it after this break. There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the true blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Good to have you with us as we continue in our program here today. And we are getting to that time of the year where a lot of fall work, a lot of, uh, of activities going on with our livestock where we're we're looking at what are we going to be keeping back? What are we going to be processing cattle this year? And it is that time where a lot of folks, no matter uh, how what size operation or how much or how little you work your cattle, more than likely you're having the cattle in the krell and we're getting some hands on in, into that. And so with that in mind, I've got with me today Austin Waltamath, who's an ID infrastructure specialist with Allflex, which is a brand of Merck Animal Health. And Austin, first of all, before we jump right into it, thanks for joining us here today on the, on the program. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate it. It's good to be back. Well, you and I talked a while back, and really, as we look at this time of the year, it is that time where there is a little bit more hands-on, where we're seeing our cattle, where we're working our cattle, we're preconditioning, we're getting ready to select, and we've got these heifers out there that we, we're needing to know what we're going to do with them. There is some opportunity to begin to utilize some of the technology that's out there for example when we look at uh, bangs vaccinating calves there's the old style of putting the metal clip in and something that i've been doing for the last couple of years is migrating away from the metal clip and going with an eid tag you can use them either way it's something you need to communicate with your vet but that's a good way to start this process Absolutely. I think the old adage is you can't change what you don't measure or track. So let's streamline that data collection process by associating all of the information out uh, on your farm or ranch with an EID on an individual animal basis. Uh, as soon as that animal comes in the in the chute, 
Uh, we can scan that EID, take a weight, and, and associate any other information needed with that animal. And uh, we start to, to build reports based off of that EID and that individual animal management. So, mm-hmm. Well, and I, and I think, too, when we look at, for me, it's something at this point, I got to be honest with you, at this point, Austin, I don't have a wand reader or anything that I'm getting that data other than I've got a, a tag in the ear. I feel actually, to be honest with you, I've noticed that those EID tags, I feel stay in actually a little bit better than those than the metal clips. But what I'm doing this for is because at some point I'm going to want that ability where I can be able to use that the wand or some sort of information. So when those cattle come through the chute, I can do that. This really is a good jumping off point. Absolutely. Yes. And, and, and tag placement is first and foremost, we need to get that tag placed in the, in the ear correctly. And our retention rates have been very, very high as compared to the metal clips. I think you're, you're, you're starting off on the right foot. You're getting the tags in the ears. And hopefully this fall, when we come back through and, and preg check those cows or whatever that may be, we can go ahead and read that and start to start to build that database of information. Literally, the possibilities are endless. So I, I think you're 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 starting off on the right foot, Justin. Awesome. One of the things, though, I think for a lot of us as ranchers is we don't want to do something in this particular case, in my particular case, I see some usefulness of this down the road. And at the same time, how do we integrate all of this, put this all together in other areas, the animal identification element? I mean, that's first and foremost. I mean, these calves, when it, when a calf is born, one of the first things a lot of guys do is we put some sort of identification in that ear. So identification is key in most folks' herd. So how do we make this all come together? Because the first thing I, I, I don't want to do is I don't want to go out and be doing a bunch of other stuff out here when I could be doing it from the start here, like we talked about with the bangs, but integrating other elements elements within our animal identification process. So I think I think where we're headed is uh, as as all flex is the the, the number one tool provider uh, for farmers and ranchers. I think we can start to to blend EID. We can start to blend tissue sampling and genomics and and other forms of, of visual identification as a way to bring bring the whole farm and ranch together. Tissue sampling has uh, has been a way. For, for a lot of producers to predict the profitability of those animals. And and uh, I was talking to a guy yesterday, uh, he buys some supplemental feed and his supplemental feed last year was, was 10,000 and this year it's 25,000. So that extra 15,000 needs to be well spent. I think it needs to be well spent on animals that are gonna stay in the herd and, and make you money. And I think that's that TSU or the tissue sampling unit has the ability to do that for for producers as your such as yourself. Mm-hmm. That's as you talk about that, Austin. I, I I think I'm not alone, probably, in some other producers that are dipping their toe into some of this. And I know last year I also DNA'd our heifers that were gonna are gonna be replacement heifers. They're being bred right now. And some of this is I'm not quite sure. I know there's usefulness of the data. I'm not quite sure just yet how I'm going to use that other than I'm the process of starting that was really looking at. And it was a conversation that we had had earlier off air was at the end of the day, I want to be keeping cattle that are going to be functional on my operation in several ways, you know, produce a calf every year. And can produce a calf more than three to four years. You know, if you can get four or five years out of a cow, that's above the nation's herd average. People don't realize that. And so that's what I'm looking at is like, if I can start to make management decisions, then that allow me to keep productive cattle. That's where some of this is stemming from. And it's starting with this process. Absolutely. I think and starting the starting very simply is taking TSUs on your bulls and getting that that genetic data back on the bulls to make the right females and also to make the right terminal feedlot cattle if that's the if that's the route you're headed I think stayability on a ranch just like you talked yeah. is, is superior and and that's what we need to be focused on that the outlier cattle need to be need to be found mm-hmm. uh talking to a guy last week he said you know there's 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 cows on this operation that weigh 1200 1250 pounds that wean an 800 pound calf those outliers and that genetic potential needs to be caught and needs to be needs to be tracked uh we, we need to propagate those those genetics especially on this 
this herd, especially if we are going to make this a long-term operation. And, and I think, um, everybody has those animals in the back of their mind that they know can do it. Uh, but we need to untap some of that potential and some of those other animals that, that maybe go unnoticed. Um, I know I always talk, uh, to, to some of the older guys, you spend 80% of your time on 20% of the herd. Mm-hmm. Well, the other, the other 80% of that herd doesn't get heard from, but uh, they're the ones making you money. And I think we need to to propagate that 80% and make you that much more profitable. Yeah, that, that's a real good point there. I That's absolutely correct. Something that has really become more and more of a focus in our industry, I feel, and that is as we've continued to see input costs continue to rise, primarily probably one of the biggest input costs a lot of uh, folks have would be their feed supplement type costs is identifying those cattle that can, you know, as you were saying, as you were pointing out the example, you know, 1,250 pound cow that's weaning a, a large calf like that, that is finding those cattle that are efficient. There's there's high numbers and everything, but that's not always whatever we're looking for. We want efficiency and what can work in our operation. That I feel is where for me personally as a rancher that's one of my focuses where i can get to that point to where we can start to identify those cattle yes absolutely and and those are the cattle that make you money doesn't matter i guess to me if you have 1100 pound cows or 1600 pound cows they better be profitable and they better convert feed and make make you money the the cows should not work for you you should or uh, you should not work for the cows i apologize and 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 the cows should work for you so let's find those genetics especially this fall as like you talked feed costs are getting high a a good opportunity uh and i was talking with a gentleman last week also that is taking some of the, the drought funds and some of that that he got uh, this year, and he's going to genetically test the cow herd. So use that, and and that's a, that's a great great opportunity to use that and and make yourself more profitable for the long term. Mm-hmm. So, as we started off our conversation today, we we talked a little bit about a good jumping off point if folks are a little bit not sure. I mean, we know, I mean, you're not just going to go out if you're a, you know, you know, 500 cow outfit, you're probably not just going to go out and DNA test everything. But at the, at the time, a good jumping off point is this bangs process that happens between probably now and next spring for most producers in the country. So when we look at that standpoint um, of this, of that element of it, it's something, I guess I feel it's important that as a producer, you need to make that known to your vet. I mean, if they're going to be coming out and doing that kind of information, know that this is a spot, this is a point where you can utilize that tag and then your TSU sample elements that are that are there and, and combined all of those units into one. I, that's one of the things as I look at this, I don't want to see a lot of duplication. A lot of us as ranchers don't want to see a lot of duplication in what we're doing. So how do we kind of put this all together in one unit? Right. Absolutely. And, and like you mentioned, talk to your vet, but also talk to your local all-flex specialist, um, talk to your Merck Animal Health biopharma rep. We are all well-versed on on all of these these topics, and we can help you get that process started. Maybe it's as easy as testing your bulls to know which cows to put them with. Maybe it's just testing the, the handful of heifers that you want to know more about. But uh, this is a great springboard as we dive deeper into collecting more information on these animals and being able to change with data. Mm-hmm. You bet. Well, Austin, I appreciate you joining us here on the program real quick. If folks you had mentioned, if people do have questions, you know, get a hold of your all flex rep or, or your Merck animal health rep as, as well, other places they can go to find more information. So yeah, like we sell all of our products through major distribution and your, your local vet clinic. Everybody's fairly familiar with Allflex. If you need any more information, go ahead and, and look us up on the internet, allflexusa.com. We are a division of Merck with some simple toggling. I believe you'll be able to find as much information as you need. So, All right. Well, Austin, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. You bet. Thank you, Justin. And again, Austin Waltemath here on the Working Ranch Radio Show joining us today. He is an ID infrastructure specialist with Allflex. They are a brand of Merck Animal Health. As he said there, you can find more information talking to your local distributor or also go to their website at allflexusa.com. We'll stay with us. Coming up next, Clint Berry steps in and joins us as we talk about what he is anticipating this fall run in the calf market to look like calves and bred cows. We're going to get into that discussion when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. 
Animal health is key to your business, so how do you track cattle health treatments? Stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history, all in real time at the chute. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We appreciate you joining us here on our program today as we have back with us a kind of a regular guest that we've had from time to time here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. It's Mr. Clinton Barrier, Marketing Rep with Superior Livestock out of Justin, Texas. And Clint, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Uh, you're, you're more than welcome, Justin. Proud to be here and uh, get a chance to visit a little bit. You bet. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've been busy kind of getting things pushed around and uh yearlings shipped here this uh, this past summer and you've been a part of that whole deal and i was looking back through my notes as, as you and i were visiting before we went on air i said it was about a year ago you and i were talking about what we're wanting to talk about here today and we're just getting things kind of ramped up for this fall run and i thought it would be good to to get a hold of you and visit with you just a little bit about that I don't want to spend a whole lot of time going back because a lot of these video sales through the summer have already taken place, but an awful lot of cattle sold this past summer and awfully good prices as well. So maybe just a quick recap of what these summer video sales look like on this calf market. Yeah, what you you talked about an amazing year, and uh, th- this is one of those years that you, you know you look around the room and everybody's smiling, mm-hmm. and that was optimism was rampant throughout the summer, both on buyers and sellers. And and that was probably the most unique thing because most of the time for a market to be increasing, you're usually caught in a phase of somebody's losing out and somebody's gaining a little bit. But, it, you know, at, at the start of a run like that, it, it, you know, the calf prices, the fat cattle market, everything's going in the right direction, you know, capturing more of that beef dollar and just the, the optimism and seeing that cash come back into the producer side of the equation was was so critical and 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 so enjoyable throughout the summer it was just it was fun and to be a part of it and and see the excitement and you know the the biggest thing i can say is like i said it, it's just what a year for for the optimistic side you know just a complete bullish market throughout the whole summer and you know, a lot of, a lot of calves, a lot of different classes of cattle that, that sold for high values. And, you know, I, I would say roughly somewhere just at least in my experience on superior and stuff, a lot of my customers sold calves from 25 to 40% more than they did the year before. Mm-hmm. And, and there were extremes beyond that, of course, but that, that would be a pretty good running number. And boy, that makes for an awful good year when it's time to, to square up at the end of the year with your banker and cover your loan cost and, and, uh, just makes you feel good and excited to be in the beef industry. Yeah. You know, I think last time you and I talked, it was after we come out of the cattle con convention down in, I believe it was in Louisiana this last year. And you and I kind of recapped a little bit of the cattle facts report that came out there. Almost appears to me, and I know, you know, I know cattle facts to do a great job. And, and one of the things that they, they don't want to get over, I mean, they kind of have to play that middle field. They don't want to uh, understate it or overstate it, I guess, should be the terminology I use in that. I think this market's better than what they were predicting as well. Is that kind of what you're feeling? Yeah, absolutely. It, it came to fruition. You know, they, they're they're spot on on the trend. They mm-hmm. just, you know, the the. I would, I guess you might call it the extremity or the extremeness of it, you know, was a higher than what was projected. And, and that's okay too. I, I understand yeah. both sides of that. Yeah. Yeah. So as we look at this, I think one of the things, Clint, that we, we get into, especially as we start switching over from a lot of these video sales that took place through those summer months and a lot of these calves being contracted. Now we're starting to get into these calves that are going to head to the local sale barns. And so I've seen it in the past where those summer sales have been really good. And then we see these prices kind of soften just a little bit as we head into that fall run and maybe strengthen towards the end of October. What are you anticipating for these calf markets? We can talk the depths of these specific sexes on these calves in just a bit. But what are you anticipating as we head into this fall run? Is this market going to stay steady? Is it going to soften a bit and then pick up? What are you thinking? I, I, in, in my gut, I, I would say steady is the perfect word. Okay. Um, you know, traditionally you're right. As you enter into the fall run and we get a flush in most of the local livestock markets, 
price gets pushed down. And 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 simply put, regardless of the tr- the trend line of the year, you have an over amount of supply. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, an average small local sale barn, you know, that runs a thousand to fifteen hundred head on a weekly sale might be running thirty five hundred or four thousand mm-hmm. in the fall run. So I mean, it's a tremendous amount of cattle that come in that short window and amount of time, and usually. The vast majority of them are balling calves, especially at the early part of the run, because they haven't had time to be weaned anyway. And, you know, that floods the market with with balling calves and, and with labor issues and, and risk and everything else. A lot of guys, you know, they'll they'll get their fill of the balling calves and that weakens that market. And I, I'm not going to say that you couldn't be that way this year, but I, I think you have to keep it in perspective that we're still going to be in an incredibly high market as as compared to when they were marketing calves the year before. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that changing whatsoever. I think it's going to be a strong fall run again. Those prices are going to continue because we're just too short of cattle overall, you know, when you're looking at, at what's going into the pen space and what's going to be on feed for the coming year. We're just, we're just short of calves. And, and that's what's, you know, that's the primary driver in the entire marketplace. We, you know, we're enjoying great beef demand don't get me wrong both domestic and Mm -hmm. and export wise and you know that that's credited the producers raising better cattle making better beef that's that's credited to you know the export programs and checkoff programs and everything that's been done to to put more capture more dollar from the consumer and to deliver a more consistent product but uh you know and we're enjoying the fact that while that's there but we're also into a short supply and that's that's the primary driving factor right now. And, and everyone that stayed in the cattle business is going to be able to capture and enjoy that for the, for the upcoming future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you touched on something there just a little bit ago. I want to expand a little bit more ball and calves. Is there value in the weaned calf this year that we've maybe seen in the past or what are you seeing on that? Is there value in a guy weaning these calves or not? So my, my answer to that is always, if you look at the data and I'm, I'm speaking of superiors data, if, if you, you know, we've had our, our price points and sale results mm-hmm. analyzed by a third party team for, for almost two decades now, it's, it's Kansas state and Merck animal health. And mm-hmm. they go through and help break those down and gives us an idea of how different classes of cattle are selling and what's driving value and what's not. And, and year in and year out over 20 year span, the wing cattle are going to bring more than ball and calves. Now, is that, does that mean that every wing calf brings more than every ball and calf? I'm not saying that that's not at all what I'm saying, but if you're betting on the average, you know, our, our money shows that six to $12 is what a wing calf's worth extra per hundred weight. And that should be on top of the fact that the wing calf should be weighing more to begin with anyway, regardless if, cattle are selling for a dollar or three dollars they, they should be weighing more at the end of the weaning phase than they were at the beginning and i think that's the critical piece right there mm-hmm. that answer is not the same for every producer mm-hmm. I, i've got producers that sell excellent calves right off the cow they do a great job of doing that they're not set up to wean they don't have the labor and maybe they don't have the forge base they're just not in a position where weaning works for them I have other producers that that's exactly what they're really good at. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they might put on a 45 day period, they might put a hundred pounds of gain on calves. Mm-hmm. Well, those guys are excellent at doing that. And, and that's, even if they didn't get a premium, that's a lot of extra money, just having the extra hundred pounds. So that translates differently to the person. You have to make sure it fits what you're good at. If, if you're weaning calves and, and, and they're not, you know, they're not putting two pounds a day on at the end of your weaning phase you probably shouldn't be weaning calves. Mm-hmm. And that's that's tough for some folks to adapt to. Sometimes it's small changes. Sometimes it's big changes. But there's always going to be more value for a calf with less risk. I mean, it, it's simply put, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, when a calf's been weaned and their gut health is, has been adapted, they're ready to go on feed, most of the health issues have been taken care of. And typically, weaned cattle are, are better vaccinated. That's not always true, but I'm just saying in general, you've had your hands on them more times. It's easier to vaccinate them more. They just have less risk and that's what makes them more valuable. And if you think of it that way, then then it's not that hard to understand that weaning almost always adds value. It's just whether or not as a producer individually, you're good at it mm-hmm. and it fits your system. And that's what that's what's required. I always go back to what I tell my customers. Don't let the tail wag the dog. Let, let's build your management 
and and we'll make the marketing around it instead mm -hmm. of trying to build marketing plan and then develop your management around the marketing plan. Let's build the marketing around the management. And that's, I think that's the critical issues there that you got to think of. Yeah. Well, and I know the, the dilemma for me, Clint on wean in, there's been a year. I remember the, really probably the last time I didn't wean was when we were in a drought situation and, and we just need to get these calves off the cows. So we just sold them that way. And I think the time before that was when we were in a market like this and there was just such value in calves, no matter what you did with them that there was, you know, that you could, you could just sell them off, off the cow. But I think the real dilemma for me sometimes is always just running through that pencil, you know, penciling this out and making sure it works. And there's so many yep. variabilities in it too, because you could have, you know, the last time we had heavy calves was when we were coming out of a drought because the grass was hard and, and those calves were gaining good on it versus a washy grass year. So it's, there's always, a, there's always adjustments you're trying to make and whether you're true figuring out whether this weaning deal is penciling out versus leaving them calves on the cows for maybe another 15, 20 days. And I think that's a dilemma for a lot of us. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. It, it on top of all the stuff we talked about, <laughs> yeah. don't forget that every year is different. Yeah. And that's, that's a big point. You know, if, if the market's going in a downward spiral, sometimes you, you're never going to catch up, mm -hmm. you know, if, if it's crashing hard enough, Let, let's go back and look at 2015 there. Well, you know, the best time to sell cattle in 2015 was yesterday. Yeah. That, that was the way it worked. You know, right now this year, for most of the year, it was it was the best time to sell them tomorrow because yeah. the market kept trending upward. But that's a perfect example, and and that would go back to part of your management talk. There is the year is going to be uh, a determining factor in that too, and what worked this year for your operation may not be the best fit next fit next year because of of factors that that you know you have to go through year to year on. Mm -hmm. you're, you're exactly right there. Yeah. Yeah. My guest today, Clint Berry, he's a marketing rep with Superior Livestock. As we're just ha heading into this fall run, we're visiting with him about where this market's going to look like into this fall year. There's still a lot of calves to be sold through the sale barns, local sale barns, and even some of the contracted calves as well. As we've talked a little bit about where this market has been, where it's going to go, we've still got more to talk about because we're going to be talking females. And that's another big part of the class of cattle that's out there that's going to see some some definitely some changes in where they have been compared to in the past. We're going to talk about that with Clint when we come back here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less. And for beef producers, it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelvy females are the picture of sustainability. Gelvy and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. Adaptable, versatile, and sustainable. All factors that have a positive impact on your bottom line. Gelvy influenced females, the smart, reliable, and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Be sustainable, breed Gelvy. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. My guest today is Clint Berry, marketing rep with Superior Livestock. He's out of Justin, Texas. I'm here out of northeastern Wyoming, a little dot on the map called Upton. And we are talking about, ahead of this fall run, what we are looking at as we were talking in the previous segment. Just a little bit of a recap of what the summer market was looking like on a lot of these video sales and what the steer market or in these in these markets are going to look like. Now, I know if you're like me, you're probably thinking, well, give me some actual physical uh, prices of what that's going to be. And if you were listening in the previous segment, Clint was telling us that that uh, market's been about 20 to 40 percent higher than it was a year ago. Well, as you know, this show goes more than just a couple places in the country. And so to really look at that, especially as we head into the fall run and give you specific prices, not going to really do that here today. It's really imperative that you spend some time looking at your local sale barn reports, getting a gauge at where this market's going to be at before you before you plan to market these calves. Because when we look at some of these contract sales and try to base off of that, you got to realize there's delivery dates that come into effect. And there's also, you know, just the weight of cattle, the location of the cattle that all take into that. So, we're not going to get into specific numbers on that, but it's important that we talk trends. And that's kind of what we're talking about here today. Uh, Clint, we left off and we were going to be talking more on the female side of things. Let's start with these young heifers and we'll just briefly hit that because we know that's going to correlate a little bit with the steers that we were talking about a bit ago. 
Are we still seeing that big gap? I think anywhere is it's but what been 20 to maybe 25 cents, 50, you know, in there in the past several years on these heifers behind the steers. Is that gap still there is what you're seeing this year? Yeah, it, it, at least on our data, what we saw as the summer run went on and, and we sold the majority of the cattle that we marked through Superior, you know, from mid-June to mid-September, we were seeing little pressure on the on the open heifer calves, open weaned heifer calves as replacement values. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, typically a female is, is going to be worth you know, roughly a number in, in hard money is, is like 20 bucks back. Some, some will be more, some will be less. But if you think about it, you know, heifers typically sell somewhere around that $20, a hundred weight less mm-hmm. in, in a, in an operating market. And a lot of, a lot of producers think, well, it's the same thing when you pull the hides off. And, and, and yes, that's true. And in, in general, the genetics are the same, but the machine that you have, in essence, the animal itself, the, 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 the factory you have is different because heifers, Number one, don't or they're not as uh, efficient as a steer, mm-hmm. you know. So their their average daily gain is always going to be less. And then two is heifers always have let hang less carcass weight because they're they're smaller by nature, just just like a male and a female. That's just the way you know God created mm-hmm. it. So there's heifers always as a feeder. A heifer is an inferior animal to its steer mate. Now that doesn't mean that your heifers aren't better than that guy's steers or vice versa. It just means that all things being equal in general, heifers are a little less efficient. And so they sell for, you know, somewhere in that, say, $20, a hundred back range. And we saw that pretty consistent through the summer. You know, occasionally you'd have a set that you could tell somebody was jumping out on and buying and they're, they're going to develop them into bred heifers that, that might bring steer price or better. But overall, that gap remained pretty consistent. 15 to 25 is dang sure the, yeah. the fair number there that we saw throughout the summer. And that tells us that's a great indicator to tell us if we've got pressure from a replacement standpoint on building this cow herd. And, and what those numbers tell us for everybody that's staying in the business and, and, and are marketing calves, that pushes that time frame of, of adding calves back to the, the calf crop out for another year. Mm-hmm. So when people start talking about, well, how many years are we going to enjoy this market under the current fundamentals, what that's saying is we're not rebuilding this year. Wow. You know, we're, we're going to be at least another year out. So before we start retaining females and start adding, you know, production units back into the overall cow herd, add calves back into the calf crop, going to the pens and the feed yard, we're, we're another year out that much farther. And so you can do the math and yeah. start to figure out when your open heifers start calving and you actually get those calves to the weaning pen and that, that pushes that market out for another year. And I think that's that's a critical factor to watch for. And, and that's not an uncommon thing. If you think about it, mm-hmm. just from a business standpoint, most of us require capital to operate. Yeah. We're not blessed with the fact <laughs> that we've got a huge amount of cash sitting <laughs> yeah. in the bank account. And we've had some awful tough years yeah. last, last several, you know, especially depending on what part of the country you're in. We've had operating notes that have ran longer and higher than what we wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, we've dealt with drought. We've dealt with high feed prices we've dealt with higher interest rates on all of that operating capital. And so it's not uncommon that we've got to cash some of these animals out and reap the benefit of this higher market to get square on the, you know, on the red and black line on our profit loss statements before we can reinvest again. And and I think that's a big portion of what you see. And it's not uncommon why traditionally every year the replacement market is the last market for an uptake in the cattle business. Yeah. When we start to bump prices on, on calves, we start to bump prices on the live cattle, on the, you know, on the finished cattle, fat cattle. The last thing to come in is the breadstock market, the replacement female market. So I should probably say that correctly, but that's the last, because we, the, of the cash flow scenario where, you know, the average rancher needs to get his hands on that, square himself up, and then he can reinvest it looking to add to his business model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A quick uh, kind of a, off question here, Clint, on this as we're talking heifers and maybe just for some guys to put this in their head. Uh, when we look at heifers, maybe we keep some of these heifers back and we sell them next year. Is there mm-hmm. value on this? What are you finding on these spay heifers over open heifers that are sold on these on these markets? You know, and, and, and in our system, I've always thought that this was a conundrum. The spayed heifers will bring a little more than, mm-hmm. than a non-spayed heifer from a feeder standpoint but not a whole lot more. Okay. 
you know, and that's, I've always thought that was a, a weird scenario because <laughs> like I would rather feed a spade heifer, yeah. you know, I would, and I think any, and you know, of course, anybody would rather feed an open heifer. Nobody wants to feed a bred heifer, an accidentally bred heifer. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the beauty of the spay is, you know, it, it cuts down on, on the, the riding, the mounting and it, and it, and it cuts down on the opportunity. Cause in general, if they're spayed, they're usually spayed pretty early in life. You know, it, 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 it cuts out the possibility of, of the pregnancy. Yeah. And, and I, I still am amazed at times that, we don't have a greater impact on, on the value of spade heifers, but that's probably also because it seems like as every year goes by, we get fewer and fewer of them out there. It's, mm-hmm. it's a practice that's not been utilized to the same degree. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of cattlemen that have more, more winners than on them than I do have told me if, you know, as far as like purchasing heifers to feed, if you don't have them spayed earlier in life, it, it's hard to get them into the feed yard, get them started sure. and spay them and set them back and for them to recuperate. And yeah. so like a lot of the times I feed some cattle myself and a lot of times when I get open heifers in, you know, they never do get spayed. So, you know, I guess I'm as big a culprit as anybody <laughs> and it's because of that, you know, it's kind of like dehorning, dehorning a seven weight. That's really when you should be dehorning, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the only reason I ask that is that's something that we've been doing is we keep a lot of these heifers back and anything that we don't really think is going to be replacement quality at all. We just go ahead and spay them. Of course, they're less than a year old, which is a good time yeah. to spay them. And and uh, yes. and it, I figure my cost in is just under $15 a head to do it. And I figure by the gain and then not having to worry about running them next to the neighbor's bulls is a huge yep. relief as well. So anyways, I thought I'd hit that. Okay, let's talk on this bread market because that is the other big element that I know is, is a lot of guys are thinking about a little bit here. And, and we're still a ways off before this bread market really, really is going to heat up. But, boy, there's going to be some value in these bread cattle, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's you can smell it coming. You know, it's it's like when you walk in and then your grandma's making cornbread. You can smell it before you get in the door, you know. Yeah. And you can see it's coming, um, especially because of the, the lack of pressure on the open heifers. And, and I, I think... If you look at the immediate bread stock market, I think the best value in the game is young bread cow or bread or, or a high quality bread heifer right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if if a guy's knowing he's going to be adding cattle to his program to be bumping his numbers up, it, it's a great time to get aggressive right now because there's there's absolutely no fundamental number out there that shows that we're not going to put value on these heifers. Mm-hmm. What extent? or these females, I should say, to what extent, I'm not sure that any of us can accurately say it, but, you know, there's no way this trend's not going to follow as we move into the end of the year, which is traditionally when we take the bump on the cattle anyway. You know, guys start to get their calves sold. If they're farmers too, they get their crop in the bin, start to get some cows preg checked, and they know what their numbers are, and they start facing Uncle Sam at the end of the year, and they're going to reinvest some of that, some of their equity and, and add back to the herd, especially in a positive market like that. And I absolutely see us doing that as we move into November and December toward the end of the year here, like normal. These, I think some of these special cow sales are really going to set, you know, just they're going to set the world on fire with some of these good young cattle that are going to be available. I've seen some prices. It's hard to to really square it down because there just hasn't been enough trade to, to justify. But I, I've seen some prices on the better end bred heifers and, and young young cows from, you know, maybe 2750 to Thirty-two fifty. Mm-hmm. I'd say that'd catch a big majority mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. just to put that in numbers. Well, you know, if we're selling fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, even eighteen hundred dollar calves, that's a pretty good bargain. Mm-hmm. And it also tells you why it's hard to hold on to an open heifer. You know, if you're selling open heifers at fifteen to seventeen hundred dollars, and you can buy a bread for a thousand more, the math does not show that you can raise that open into a bread mm-hmm. and get her to that status, ready to have a calf. Just it, it, as long as you also include the the opportunity time of how you're going to, in essence, have another calf in this higher market to to sell out of that bread than you did as an open. And, you know, that's going to fit everybody's program to what they want to do. But it's a great, great time if you want to upgrade some cows. It's a great time if you can move quickly to to buy some maybe some better genetics and add to your herd that advances you that much faster you know, while you're also increasing your bull power. But I'm just, I'm excited to see where this is going to go. You know, usually that numbers you, you learn over the years, that number somewhere between two and a half and three calves is yeah. the value of a bread stock animal. And 
like I said, if, if you do the math on what we've been selling some calves for that, we're not there right now. It's a great time. It, it, it seems like a great big yeah. number yeah. buying a female, <laughs> but, the, but the margin, the math, the, you know, the equation says that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you throw that number out there, I'm thinking, oh my word, that, <laughs> you know, but it's a, yeah. y- you have to, you have to correlate that with where the market's at and, and it's more of a, it's, it's more of, I guess you think need to be thinking in percentages rather than actual numbers probably. Right. In that. Right. So, well, Clint, yeah, you before to, you'll go ahead. You, you have, you have to let your business mind operate. <laughs> yeah. Not our gut, yeah. you know, exactly. That's, I hadn't heard it that way. Yeah. Let, yeah, yeah. let the, let the numbers do the talking, not your gut. So on that yeah. one. Well, Clint, I appreciate you joining us. Any final thoughts and comments from you before we head out? No, I, I just, I want to say thank you to all my customers, buyers and sellers throughout the year. And, and just a, a big congratulations to every producer out there. We, you know, we work generations and work hard to raise a, the best protein in the world. And this cattle business is tough. Ranching's tough. It's also the greatest life there is to have out there. And I'm just happy to see everybody put some cash back in their pocket and the producer getting a larger share of that, of that beef dollar. And I, I'm just, I'm excited for the next few years for all of us in the industry and just just happy to to be a, a small part of it. You bet. You bet. Well, Clint, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're outside. You're just getting ready to go work cattle right now. So I appreciate yep. you taking yep. the time to do that and uh, for being here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. All righty. Thanks, Justin. Clint Berry, marketing rep with Superior Livestock, joining us here today. We kind of get a recap and an idea of what this fall run is going to look like as we head into this year. Some unprecedented times, no doubt, for a lot of us uh, that are going to be selling calves this year. Markets that we've never seen before. Appreciate him joining us and giving us a, his take on what that's going to look like. So if you want to find out more, I'll put the link to his uh, contact information in the show description. You can find out there or just look up on Superior Livestock's website as well you can find more information there and it's a good source to go and look and see what these calves are selling for in your market area as well so stay with us folks when we come back meteorologist don day will be joining us as we take a look at our long-term weather we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you as we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And Don, I got to thank you for giving me some good weather last week because we're able to get some water tanks poured. We put concrete in the center of these big tire tanks. So I appreciate the good weather we had last week to get that thing done. Well, I'm glad I could help. Well, I just think it's important that you get credited for the good weather because the only time people really want to talk to you guys is when they're belly aching about the weather. So I thought I better equal opportunity here on this deal. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Let's talk about what we're looking at for this coming week. Now, here in the short term, as, as we're here this weekend, we got some weather coming in across the West that d- does show, I, it was interesting last week, I was looking at your weather forecast and you had a map of where the moisture is going to set for this weather disturbance that's coming up the first part of this coming week. And we really are seeing a pretty good chunk of the Western U.S., even down into West Texas and New Mexico, Arizona, and that area with some pretty decent moisture. Yeah, California even is going to get into the act as well as the Great Basin states and the Pacific Northwest and uh, Montana is going to be getting wet uh, with this pattern that we've got going through here right now as we speak. Uh, So uh, we do see the weather changing a bit. And while it's going to be unsettled in the northern plains to the Pacific Northwest, uh, the nation's midsection, uh, just in time for the beginning of harvest operations Mm -hmm. in the Corn Belt and Midwest, they're going to have a little bit of an extension of some summer-like weather. And it's a slow transition. We we see a slow transition west to east of a cooler, more unsettled, and sometimes wet weather pattern developing here over the next week or two. Mm-hmm. So as we look at that, I, I thought it was interesting – as you know, I keep track of fog days and all that kind of thing. Well, the other thing is is when we have thunder in the spring to signify when we might have a, 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 a our first 
freeze. Well, that's kind of correlating to, to with my numbers that around the 15th of October. Now, typically that is rarely late, but we have been so slow of moving into fall that I might not be too far off of that. However, when we look a little bit further out, you are seeing a weather pattern coming out of the Pacific Northwest that is going to bring some cooler temperatures and more of that fall type feel to everything. Yeah, we're, we're certainly seeing weather patterns wanting to change. Once we get into the month of October, uh, a little bit deeper into the month, we are going to be looking at the, the jet stream in the northern latitudes. Talking about the jet stream coming off the North Pacific through Canada, that's getting stronger and the air up there mm-hmm. is getting colder. And we've been able to basically have summer hang on a little bit longer this year compared to other years. But the month of October can can really change things. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see uh, as we go into the first full week of October. We are going to be looking at uh, especially by the middle to the end of the week and next weekend coming on up weekend from now. Temperatures in many areas of the, of the U.S., especially the north and parts of the west, are going to be quite a bit colder. And many areas will probably have that first real hard freeze. OK, OK. So with those cooler temperatures, typically we do see some moisture with that. Is there going to be much in that, though, when we look about 10 days out or are we just seeing a weather or a temperature change? No, I think we're we're definitely going to have some moisture for some folks. Uh, you had mentioned that maybe down into Texas, uh, that's one area that's going to have some, but also the northern plains. I think the the Dakotas, uh, parts of the upper Midwest, including Minnesota, Montana, and I do think parts of the central and northern Rockies. That would include parts of Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and Montana and Idaho uh, are are likely going to see some rain and some snow in this pattern change. So mm-hmm. it's not only going to be getting colder, but wetter as well. Okay. Now we a lot of times we have a tendency to focus on weather that's more west of the Mississippi River, Missouri Mississippi River. Let's look a little bit on the east side of that too, because. Uh, there's some impacts there. They deal more with some of the the coastal eastern east coast type of weather pattern out there. What are they seeing here in the next 10 days out? Well, we had mentioned how the Midwest and the Corn Belt's going to have some fair weather and they will. So east of the Missouri and the Mississippi, it, for most of next week, it's going to be delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of that weather will probably extend to most of the east coast, although uh, New England or the northeast parts of the United States is going to have a little bit of stormy weather. So there's a real divide between the east and the west in terms of how the weather is going to be over this next week. Nicest in the mid middle part of the country in the east, most unsettled, coolest and wettest in the central and the west. Okay. Well, Don, that's a good outlook for us. Appreciate the time. I know you're traveling here again this week. Safe drives on your trip back. Thank you, sir. And again, that is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. You can find him each and every morning on his daily video podcast at dayweather.com or his YouTube channel is out there as well. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll put a wrap on this week's show when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. want to let you know that if you have comments or questions about a show you heard or a topic you'd like us to cover don't be afraid to send me a text or an email also if you just want to give me an update on who you are and what you're doing out there i get those kind of emails as well and i appreciate that because i share so much of what we do here and it's nice to hear from other folks as well so don't be afraid send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com and don't forget also if you like the show hit like or or thumbs up or however you ought to do it on your provider that you're listening to and that's always helpful for us as well quick shout out to our sponsors here today vitalix the american galvia association performance beef and tank tote well the working ranch radio show is a production of working ranch magazine branded number one by america's ranchers again to get a hold of me my email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com thanks for joining us this week i'm justin mills and until next time keep your chin down and your mind in the middle so long